0: This is Section 44 of Newspaper Articles by Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Newspaper Articles by Mark Twain, Section 44, Part 5. It's the San Francisco Daily Morning Call, September 1864. The San Francisco Daily Morning Call, September 17th, 1864. Dr. Raymond, not removed. We are informed by a member of the Board of Supervisors that the removal of the late Dr. Raymond from the post of resident physician of the county hospital, and which action so preyed upon his mind, was not valid and binding, but on the contrary was void and of no effect, because it was not recommended by the hospital committee, from which, according to an unrepealed resolution of the Board, all such motions for removal must emanate. THE SAN FRANCISCO DAILY MORNING CALL, SEPTEMBER 17, 1864 THE LATE SUICIDE, coroner's INQUEST An inquest was held last evening at the county hospital to inquire into the recent suicide of Dr. Raymond, late resident physician of that institution. R. G. Tobin, Esquire, justice of the First Township, officiated as coroner. A number of witnesses were examined, who entered into a minute detail of everything that had transpired for several days previous to the death of the doctor, having the slightest bearing on the matter, as to the commission of the rash act. The testimony fully establishes the fact that the doctor, at the time and for some time previous, was laboring under a temporary aberration of mind our limited space precludes the possibility of giving more than a faithful epitome of the witness's statements dr holman on the morning of the tenth received a note informing him that dr raymond was ill and leaving a message to that effect for dr Nuttall, he repaired at once to the hospital where he found deceased insensible and evidently under the effect of morphine he found it impossible to arouse him the electro galvanic battery was applied by dr jerry A emetic of the sulfate of zinc was administered by Mr. Pond, the apothecary of the hospital, previous to the arrival of the physician, and an injection was given. Every remedy was used that medical skill could summon, without even appearing to rally him from the comatose condition in which he was at first discovered. The only sign of sensibility seemed to have been indicated when Mr. Pond applied his mouth close to the doctor's ear, and called him in a loud voice dr r opened his eyes for a moment and fixed them on mr pond but did not speak from the first the sufferer exhibited all the effects of narcotic poison or apoplexy his features were rigid and his jaws so firmly set that it was only with the greatest difficulty that the tube of the stomach pump could be introduced into his stomach in an adjoining room on a table was a dram vial of morphine partly empty, and close by it a tumbler of water with morphine dissolved in it, from which he had evidently taken the fatal draught. On the bed, in which the doctor was lying, was the morning alta, as Dr. Jerry positively states, and by it his spectacles. The witnesses differed some in their impressions concerning the effect on the mind of deceased of certain newspaper articles of that morning. Dr. Nuttall felt sure that the rash act, was hastened from having read certain articles reflecting on his character, while Dr. Jerry and Mr. Pond both agree in their impressions, from the appearance of things, that the fatal dose was taken a considerable length of time before he got the paper, and that he had not even so much as seen the article in the paper that morning as it was lying on his bed, having the appearance of not having been unfolded. Witnesses state that there was no other paper in the room deceased, has recently spoken of suicidal propensities that possessed him at times, and made him apprehensive that he would make an attempt at self-destruction. He spoke calmly about it, and said that at times it was almost irresistible. At such times he seemed extremely dejected, told Dr. Nuttall, a day or two before his death, that his evil genius was a suicidal devil, and gave the doctor his knife, fearing he might attempt violence on himself with it he placed himself under treatment of dr n a short time since for this mental disease and after two days seemed much better all the medical witnesses doctors holman nuttall and geary agree in their belief that the suicide was committed during a temporary fit of insanity aggravated doubtless by certain recent changes implicating him in frauds in the hospital accounts and management he spoke of the matter as if his sense of honor was wounded though dr jerry testifies that he saw dr raymond previously with regard to the charges in the morning papers and he appeared to regard them with the contempt which they merited dr raymond stated to mr pond on monday last during a conversation with reference to his suicidal propensities that he had twice before in his life been affected in the same manner and he was fearful at times that he would do himself an injury the day before he died he conversed very calmly with his cousin, Mr. I. W. Raymond, on this subject. Dr. Nuttall felt certain that the act was not one of his volition, that if deceased had been in a proper state of mind, his energies would have been directed against it. Deceased was in comfortable circumstances, suffered from no pecuniary embarrassments, had, he said, five thousand dollars in the savings bank, and about as much in United States bonds, besides what he had in his pocket, said he was never better off in his life, and had plenty saved up for the time he was likely yet to live. Deceased was a native of New York, fifty-eight years of age. He has a stepmother and two brothers living, one in New York and one in Maryland. The jury returned a verdict in accordance with the above facts. The San Francisco Daily Morning Call, September eighteenth, 1864. Cruelty to Animals. Probably there is no law against it. A large truck-wagon, with a load on it nearly as heavy as an ordinary church, came to a standstill on the slippery cobblestones in front of the Russ house yesterday, simply because the solitary horse attached to it found himself unable to keep up his regular gait with it. A street-car and other vehicles were delayed some time by the blockade. It was natural to expect that a streak of lightning would come after the driver, out of the cloudless sky, but it did not. It is likely Providence wasn't noticing. The San Francisco Daily Morning Call, September 18, 1864, Theatrical Record, McGuire's Opera House The past week has been devoted to benefits to the different leading members of the community, but the time is unpropitious for filling the house politics are surging, and our citizens find more amusement in attending their district club meetings, mass meetings, and the rest, than in the theater. To this cause, as much as any other, perhaps, may be attributed the scant showing numbers present even when such popular actors as Charles R. Thorne and Frank Mayo made it a personal affair between themselves and the public. Again, the Mechanics Industrial Fair is under full headway, and possesses attractions for an evening promenade among its collections of the wonders of science, art, and skilled industry, which the ladies find hard to resist. The theatrical managers would, to use the language of one of them, rather fight twenty shows than one mechanic's fair, especially such a complete one as has been opened in this city. Tonight the drama of A Life's Revenge will be given, and next week james h warwick takes the stage the san francisco daily morning call september eighteenth eighteen sixty four due warning someone carried away a costly and beautiful hat from the occidental hotel where it was doing duty as security for a board bill some ten days ago to the great and increasing unhappiness of its owner its return to the place from whence it was ravished or to this office will be a kindness which we shall be only too glad to reciprocate, if we ever get a precisely similar opportunity, and the victim shall insist upon it. The hat in question was of the plug species, and was made by Tiffany. Upon its inner surface the name of J. Smith had once been inscribed, but could not easily be deciphered latterly, on account of Mark Twain having been written over it. We do not know J. Smith personally, but we remember meeting him at a social party some time ago, and at that time a misfortune similar to the one of which we are now complaining happened to him. He had several virulent cutaneous diseases, poor fellow, and we have somehow acquired them also. We do not consider that the hat had anything to do with the matter, but we mention the circumstance as being a curious coincidence. However, We do not desire to see the coincidence extend to the whole community, notwithstanding the fact that the contemplation of its progress could not do otherwise than excite a lively and entertaining solicitude on the part of the people, and therefore we hasten, after ten days' careful deliberation, to warn the public against the calamity by which they are threatened and we will not disguise a selfish hope, at the same time, that these remarks may have the effect of weaning from our hat the spoiler's affections, and of inducing him to part with it with some degree of cheerfulness. We do not really want it, but it is a comfort to us in our sorrow to be able thus to make it, as a commodity of barter and sale to other parties, something of a drug on the market, as it were." the san francisco daily morning call september twentieth eighteen sixty four the theatres etc mcguire's opera house mr j h warwick made his first appearance in an intensely sensational drama called the bottle the play shows the unhappy results to a man a family which follow too close a devotion to the ardent to the neglect of his regular business tableaux occur in it illustrative of crickshank's celebrated pictures it is rather overwrought in the misery line and a man who sits it out will be inclined to neglect his favorite brandy and water for a week or more it has no comforting wind-up as in the drunkard where the reformed inebriate sings home sweet home in the midst of a family group and with his arm about his wife's waist but after a series of unrelieved wretchedness the least of which is murder—the unfortunate man in the bottle dies in delirium tremens. Warwick was impressive in the principal character, Richard Thornley, and Mrs. Perry made a good deal out of the suffering wife. The drama will be repeated this evening, together with the farce of His Last Legs. WILSON ZOYARA CIRCUS Some of the acrobatic feats at the pavilion excite the wonder of spectators. The most wonderful movements of the body are executed with a grace and precision that arouse unqualified admiration. Zoyara has the superb black horse Othello under the most perfect control, and he executes her bidding in the menage act with remarkable docility and accuracy, like a Christian, as an enthusiastic horseman suggested. The camels are interesting, and altogether the show is very complete, and deserves to be visited by all the san francisco daily morning call september twenty first eighteen sixty four stabbed two chinamen got into a dispute early yesterday morning in a butcher shop in washington alley when one of them seized a pork cleaver and aimed four murderous blows at the other's head the latter removed his head from the line of attack and received the blows on his arm hand and side his arm got two deep gashes his side a slight scratch and his right hand was cut nearly in half, the blade striking a straight line across it, a little below the base of the fingers. At this point the wounded man seized a knife, and plunged it into his assailant's side, and withdrew from the contest, leaving him dangerously scared and feeble, but not fatally injured. He considered that he withdrew from the contest with credit to his share in the transaction. He evidently prided himself upon the fine judgment and spirit of moderation he had shown under circumstances where the forgetting of such virtues for a moment or two might be naturally regarded as excusable. Holding a stick in his mutilated left hand, he designated upon it with his thumb-nail a point two inches and a half from the end of the stick, saying, Only so how, not too litty, not too much. Only an elaborate experience, and the spirit of the true artist, could have enabled this bland Chinaman to cipher down to a fraction the just amount of stabbing necessary to square accounts with his adversary, without overdoing the thing, or falling short of it. Officer James Conway arrested the mathematical Chinaman, and jammed him into the station house. The San Francisco Daily Morning Call, September twenty-first, 1864. A TERRIBLE WEAPON. A charge of assault with a deadly weapon preferred in the police court yesterday against Jacob Friedberg was dismissed, at the request of all parties concerned, because of the scandal it would occasion to the Jewish church to let the trial proceed, both the assaulted man and the man committing the assault being consecrated servants of that church. The weapon used was a butcher-knife, with a blade more than two feet long, and as keen as a razor. The men were butchers, appointed by dignitaries of the Jewish church, to slaughter and inspect all beef intended for sale to their brethren, and in a dispute some time ago one of them partly split the other's head open, from the top of the forehead to the end of his nose, with the sacred knife, and also slashed one of his hands. From these wounds the sufferer has only just recovered." the jewish butcher is not appointed to his office in this country but is chosen abroad by a college of rabbis and sent hither he kills beeves designed for consumption by israelites or anyone else if they choose to buy and after careful examination if he finds that the animal is in any way diseased it is condemned and discarded if the contrary the seal of the church is placed upon it and it is permitted to be sent into the market a custom that might be adopted with profit by all sects and creeds. It is said that the official butcher always assures himself that the sacred knife is perfectly sharp and without a wire edge, before he cuts a bullock's throat. He then draws it with a single lightning stroke, and at any rate not more than two strokes are admissible, and if the knife is still without a wire edge after the killing, the job has been properly done. But if the contrary is the case, it is adjudged that a bone has been touched, and pain inflicted upon the animal, and consequently the meat cannot receive the seal of approval and must be thrown aside. It is a quaint custom of the ancient church, and sounds strangely enough to modern ears. Considering that the dignity of the church was in some sense involved in the misconduct of its two servants, the dismissal of the case without a hearing was asked and granted. The San Francisco Daily Morning Call september twenty first, eighteen sixty four Out of Jail James Donlan, who has been serving out a term of imprisonment in the county jail for uttering treasonable language, yesterday paid into the county court one hundred and fifty dollars, the balance of his fine, after deducting the equivalent of seven and a half days confinement, and was released. Jail life must be very satisfactory, for those who have been compelled to spend a few days there, come out of it completely satisfied. They don't want to go back, nor stay any longer than they can help, under the polite attentions of the man who carries the key. The San Francisco Daily Morning Call, September 22nd, 1864 Queer Fish at a case of pomological ichthyological mechanical and a general variety of specimens at the west side of the rotunda of the mechanics fair building is an unshapely looking animal between a reptile and a fish called the catfish squid preserved in alcohol in size the thing amounts to no more than a small potato but the amount of physical force it is said to exert when not in liquor and otherwise in good health is somewhat enormous, being altogether disproportionate to its dimensions. A card appended to the jar that keeps the animal in spirits informs the curious searcher, after information, that the squid can take a man down and suck him to death, and if any is skeptical of the fact, he or she can just find out where there is one ready to perform and try it on. This specimen was obtained near Oakland. Close by is another jar containing an odd-looking individual of the lobster species found on the islands. It lives in white sand and is usually found in pears. The San Francisco Daily Morning Call, September 22nd, 1864. STRIKE OF THE STEAMER EMPLOYEES A large body of the strikers who have been employed on our ocean steamers, and who quit work because their wages were reduced below living rates marched to Dahl's shipping office, at the corner of Alejo and Davis streets, yesterday morning, and afterwards proceeded to North Point, where the America was ready to set sail, but was waiting to ship a crew. Here they found men going aboard to take the vacant places at the reduced rates, and compelled them to take their kits ashore again, and give up the idea. Several men were knocked down and roughly handled in the melee which ensued, among them Captain Lees, of the detective police, Who received a heavy blow on the head with a billet of wood about noon the officers of the america acceded to the terms demanded by the workmen and restored the former rates of wages and a crew was then shipped without molestation wages on the golden city will doubtless remain as they were before also the prices heretofore paid and no increase was asked by the men were as follows firemen seventy dollars a month coal passers sixty dollars sailors—forty dollars, and waiters—forty dollars, and they are little enough. Men who leave families ashore could not support them on less, and it is anything but just to ask them to do it. The insignificant sum the steamship companies would make by the small reduction contemplated would be lost again by the inferior capacity of the men employed, for good and capable men would not work at the terms offered. End of section 44